Welcome to the CEC's very first episode of the Windy Napkin Podcast. In this space, we aim to highlight the entrepreneurial stories of DePaul students, alumni, faculty, and small businesses throughout Chicago. My name is Shivani Maduli, and I'll be your host for today's episode. The CEC hosts a number of events and programs throughout the year, among which is the popular Purpose Pitch Competition. This annual event explores the ideas of purpose-driven startups in Chicago through a pitch session where startups pitch their greater purpose and how they plan to fulfill that purpose through their business objective. Today, we've invited Cleo Louie, the first place winner of 2021's Purpose Pitch Competition to speak about his entrepreneurial experience and journey since the competition thus far. Cleo, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be your first guest, and I can't wait to see what a CC takes this series. Yes, thank you so much for being here. So currently, you're a DePaul MBA student. What else have you been doing? How has your experience been since DePaul, or how, what's your history been like with DePaul? Sure. So actually, I, well, I'm currently an MBA student, but my history of DePaul started a long time ago when, as an international student, I uh, immigrated to the United States to pursue my undergrad studies. I attended DePaul and after graduating, worked in tech for quite a number of years, uh, 12 years or so, um, and had a pretty fun career. But at a certain point, I felt like I had a need for change, which sort of is the reason why I ended up back at DePaul, right? Mm -hmm. I, I started not being fulfilled by just having mastery or just enjoying the job I was doing. I really felt like um, if I was going to do something for the rest of my life, I needed to do something I was really passionate about. And I was really passionate about entrepreneurship, innovation, technology, and the idea, the concept or the practice of taking an idea and using it to create something that can be of value to others. So I left my career behind and headed back to school and ended up back at DePaul where I enrolled to complete a master's in product innovation and computing and an MBA in entrepreneurship and also enrolled at Cornell to complete a degree in product management, a certificate in product management, rather. So that's how I ended up up here. And at DePaul, I really wanted my experience to be more than just about the academics. I really wanted to be involved in all things that had to do with entrepreneurship, and as a result, participated in a number of events and activities and clubs. I participated in a number of pitch competitions. Uh, you, you kind of alluded to, to that <laughs> in your intro. I worked to launch DePaul CEO, which is the Collegiate Entrepreneurship Organization chapter of DePaul. I have worked with the Business Law Clinic working under the supervision of Professor Lawton and Professor Weiser, two phenomenal individuals and great mentors. And in that clinic, I had the honor or the privilege of working with five or six amazing women in entrepreneurship, helping to provide them with business expertise so that they continue to grow their business. And I've done a number of other things. Um, but the biggest thing I'm focusing on right now is launching a tech venture of my own. Wow, they have quite a journey so far. You've done a lot, wow. So kind of just like going back at the beginning, you said you moved from tech into entrepreneurship. Do you think any of the skills and things you've had to learn within the tech industry have applied to the things that you're doing now? And how do you use it? Yes. Yeah, so I am interested in entrepreneurship in tech, right? Mm, so it, it all applies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I actually uh, forgot to mention that I also work in the innovation development lab at DePaul where we build innovation for Fortune 500 companies. It all works together. Yeah. <laughs> um, my tech skills directly apply to what I'm trying to do. I just, I, I felt like I needed to equip myself with 
with all the skills I needed to give myself the confidence to actually be successful. Do you think that transition was relatively easy for you? Do you think that you had to learn anything new when you, say, like had to move away from a job that paid you and it was predictable? Do you think there were any fears or challenges that came up when you made that transition? Yes. Yeah, so I decided to go back to school when I realized that I would be happier trying to launch a venture and fail, right, than not launch a venture and regret mm. not doing so. The transition was fairly easy for me. Um, I was given up a career that I had nurtured, right? A career where I had, I had quite a number of successes, but this was really important to me. And my ambition for coming back to school was to learn all the things that could increase my degree of success, right? Because, you know, you have a you almost it's almost guaranteed you're gonna fail <laughs> when, yeah. as an entrepreneur right so I wanted to increase that probability of success and gain all the tools and the business tools that um, I needed to help me be successful because I had no a business experience right my I've been in tech my entire life so that was very important but I also completed a master's in product innovation and computing because it was important to have the tech perspective on entrepreneurship so I, I got basically the full spectrum the tech side of entrepreneurship and the business side of entrepreneurship and melded them together so I know we've been alluding to this venture would you like to go into a little more detail about that Sure. So I am, I'm the founder of Pimwork, which is a mobile app that aims to optimize the way on-demand workers, gig workers, connect with their customers. This project came about as an idea um, I thought of during one of the pitch competitions with the CEC, and it was actually selected as the winning idea. So essentially, what I noticed was when looking at the temporary work or gig market, one of the biggest problems that workers face in that economy is that there is a problem with geography. Workers generally have to commute long distances uh, between customers in order to perform work, and that's very inefficient and reduces, reduces their billable time in addition to increasing their costs. So the idea for Pinwork uh, is a solution that aims to combat that problem by creating an ecosystem that benefits all parties. And by doing so, we can help to reduce the commute time for these workers because they have to commute shorter distances and help to alleviate costs for them because we can reduce the cost that is associated with commute. And uh, we can also help our customers, or their customers rather, um, gain better value for the services they wish to hire. What inspired this idea? Um, this idea was really inspired by some research I conducted on waves of innovation. For example, when taking a look at waves of innovation that are on the horizon, and I'm speaking, I'm talking about the ones that are, that are currently present, but we don't really feel the impact like AI automation or robotics, <laughs> it becomes clear that these technologies have uh, the potential to drastically impact a large segment of the workforce, um, specifically individuals who can be considered mid to low skilled workers um, will be displayed once these technologies have fully in integrated themselves <laughs> into our society and way of living. And unfortunately, the population of individuals that will be impacted are mostly a majority black and brown people. So recognizing this as a case, I hypothesized that the gig economy is going to grow because individuals are not just going to disappear. <laughs> They're going to have to reinvent themselves and find a way to provide for their families. So chances are they're going to use whatever skills they have to find work. They're gonna become gig workers. So keeping that theory in mind, 
I turn my attention to the tools available in the gig economy to help these workers become successful or be successful or help them optimize the work that they do. And what I realized was that, what I recognized was that while there has been a lot of innovation in that space, there hasn't been a lot of innovation on the side of the service provider, right? A lot of innovation is geared towards the service seeker, the customer, the user of the app. So that is what led to the idea behind Pinwork. I started developing that idea as part of an independent uh, study capstone project, but it has since, since evolved from there. Got it. Yeah, and that's a really good point to bring up. We never really focus on the service providers, and it's mostly like the service seekers. And I guess I've never really thought about that, but that's a really, really key point, because if you improve the experience for the service providers, you ultimately improve the experience for the service seekers. So, exactly. Yeah, so once you um, like developed that hypothesis that you did all your research, where did you start? Did you meet with people, and like, how did that get going? Yeah, so I first of all, I did some market research to make sure that we would be solving a problem that customers wanted us to solve. But in addition to that, I was able to develop a team of engineers and um, designers to work on this project. And that mostly came as a result of my work in the ID Lab, as I mentioned earlier. I work as a product owner in the ID Lab. We build innovation for Fortune 500 companies. So uh, being a member of that lab, Professor Adela Kuhn, who is my boss in that lab, was able to witness my work ethic and the quality of work uh, I, I can produce. So I pitched him the idea for pen work, and he was amicable to the idea of allowing me to use some of the, some of the resources from the lab to work on my project because he, and this was something he had previously refused to do with students who had pitched him ideas, but he believed in my ability to be able to bring this to market because he was witness to my work ethic and what I had done for him. So I lucked out, yeah, <laughs> right? Um, but I am paying it forward and helping to create an opportunity for other students to have this same chance because I'm helping the Idea Lab launch uh, an accelerator where the goal would be to provide students who are interested in building tech businesses access to tech resources, developers, um, uh, UI, UX designers, um, data analysis, and that analysts to help them build their businesses. Wow. Yeah. So how far are you in the process right now? Like, are you getting close to like just launching everything? Yeah, we're, we're getting very close to launching an MVP. So hopefully things go as planned. Yeah. Uh, there are no, there is no scope creep and there, we don't, you know, experience any unforeseen mm -hmm. uh, setbacks, um, but we should be uh, launching an MVP, testing in the market. We're, we're always doing our user tests, right? So we want to get feedback from, from customers, have them put it in their hands, and then, uh, then take next steps from there. So have you come across any major challenges that you like, haven't come across before, and have, how has that helped you? Well, my biggest challenge uh, was uh, figuring out where to start, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's common for most un aspiring entrepreneurs. So, but once I was able to establish my team, we worked very well together and I was able to lead them in traversing our product roadmap. Mm -hmm. So I haven't experienced that many uh, big problems and I hope not to. <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. 
So like I know you've talked about interacting with all these people like in the Idea Lab and then you come together with um, your team of engineers. How important would you say is, is it to have that network and to really have those connections? At least for me as a finance major, I know like those industry connections are everything and mm -hmm. that can like mean the difference between like this top role and maybe like an entry level position or something. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so how important is that for you? It is supremely important. Um, uh, network unlocks a lot of different resources, access to individuals, even you know, access to a quality board. And while it's not impossible to do it on your own or bootstrap and, and um, go through the motions um, individually, it's a lot easier when you can, you can rely on the experience of others so that you can avoid some pitfalls that you otherwise would end up uh, experiencing uh, if you just went through the process completely blind. Have you ever had an experience where like, you maybe disagreed with someone and how did you overcome with that? Yeah, well, um, luckily, so part of my work experience, I worked at Nokia, um, managing the wireless telecom network across North America. And I got a lot of practice <laughs> seeing things from customers' perspective. I worked solving really difficult technical problems. So you, tend, you get to learn to um, build a relationship with your customer because if you can alleviate their frustrations, you can then focus on solving this really difficult task that you're trying to solve. And to do that, you get, you, it's, it, it, the easiest way to do that is just see things from a lens of the other person. So it's very important to be able to see things from other people's perspective, leading you to develop empathy for them. And that goes a long way with any uh, objective you're, you're trying to accomplish. So yeah, so when I do have disagreements, I try to see things from other people's perspective. I try to head them out because it is possible that I'm missing something. And I find that once you have done that, people are more amicable to listening to your side of things as well, right? So then you can... You, you, you can clear a lot of confusion out of the way and then work together to find something that is a common ground for both individuals. Do you think that came naturally to you or do you think that you had to really practice to like, you know, understand and make sure that you didn't upset them and come about it in a strategic way so that you could move forward or that Right, sort right, of right. Thing? So I do think it comes natural uh, yeah. for me, but I always prefer direct dialogue uh, as opposed to emails or surveys because then you you avoid a lot of noise or a lot of interpretation and you can get a direct feedback from the person that you're you're having a conversation with. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. I know we've talked a lot, a lot about pin work and like how it came together. I've done a teeny bit of research on just um, how like apps come together and know that like customer user experience is pretty important. How have you taken that into consideration and do you have like a strategic way or like a plan to go about that? Yeah, so definitely. I, I intentionally used a design thinking approach in our development of Pinwork. And uh, using that approach, we are constantly seeking feedback from the customer throughout the entire process of development. So we're constantly prototyping, developing, testing, you know, getting user feedback, et cetera, et cetera, along the entire uh, path of developing this product. So in theory, by the time we're done producing this product, we would have produced something that the customer wants. That said, I also have a team of three UI UX engineers <laughs> working right. with me, and they're doing a good job of making sure that we develop the best customer experience we can. So hopefully it works out. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So 
I know just as someone who likes to juggle a lot of things at once, I tend to, I know you're doing a lot right now. You're a student, you're doing all these ventures, you're doing pin work and you're working on that. How do you stay on top of that? And like, how do you um, make sure that you're moving and actually progressing? Yeah, for me, it is, it's, it's actually quite simple. For me, it's all about um, time management, which is cl- cliche, but also <laughs> segmentation, right? Mm-hmm. You can't avoid difficult tasks but you can avoid making tasks feel difficult if that makes any sense. And what I mean by that is that, for instance, uh, if, I were, if I was assigned the task to today to complete a 40-page paper seven days from now, my approach would be to balance the workload. I would further segment that to um, completing three pages in the morning, three in the afternoon, three in the evening. That ends up being nine pages a day. I should be done with within four, three and a half, four days. And then I can, you know, spend the rest of my time, you know, reviewing, um, editing, adding, uh, changing, doing whatever I need to do. But I won't have a pressure of a deadline. So it's all about time management and segmentation. And I use that strategy throughout my entire grad school experience. So although the workload and the work was very difficult. It didn't feel impossible to me. Mm, got it, I like that, I like that. So do you write that out or you just do it mentally? Do you like have a game plan in the morning and then, oh, I'm gonna do like three pages now and then later, or is it more just feeling? I guess it comes natural to me. I don't plan, I don't have a planner. I just um, set the strategy and keep to it. Kind of going off of that, like work-life balance. What does that mean to you? <laughs> Work-life balance. Um, to I, I don't know what that means to, <laughs> to me, right? Because I like to stay busy, right? I like to be busy all the time. Mm-hmm. I just don't like to be frustrated by what I have to do, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't mind, you know, having to do some work, you know. In fact, I, I, I prefer, you know, having to do some work, being able to do work at my leisure. If I have to do some on, on the weekends or whatever, or you know, I you know go out to dinner and I come back, I do some some work. Right, that that's fine for me. Right, mm. I generally don't segment work and then life. Right, right, right. unless I'm on vacation. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. then it's yeah. Don't 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 reach out to me. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, yeah. No, I've definitely talked to some other people like who are also aspiring entrepreneurs, and they're like. There, you know, work is life. Like that's like everything <laughs> just kind of blends together, and right. I'm like, wow. I mean, it must take a lot of passion instead of to really just integrate that and really make time for that. But I guess if you're really happy with what you're doing, it doesn't really matter. Exactly. So, yeah, that's awesome. We're coming down to the final couple minutes of our episode, so I have a few more questions for you. What do the next three to five years look like for you? Well. Um Hopefully success. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't want to imagine anything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, hopefully in three to five years, Pinwork is a fully a well-oiled machine, and we're cash positive, mm-hmm. and um, we're helping people manage their time, their work, and their finances, uh, making life a little easier for them. And we're building something that helps a lot of people in society that are not currently being catered to. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I wish you the best of luck. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. All right. Our last question here. If you could bring a change in the people around you, what would that change be? I I guess it it would be what I just mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. which is um, just see things from other people's perspective, right? I think that 
in my experience in tech, it's always easier to find solutions when you can look at things from a different perspective, right? It's always easier to work with people if you can see things from their perspective. You can always improve a product if you can look at it from a different angle, right? It's, it's always important to be able to take yourself out of the equation and just try to imagine things from a different perspective. Um, so I think if even in life, right, um, in, in practically any industry, if you look at things from a different perspective, you might learn more than you would if you didn't. All right, to all our listeners tuning in today, if you're interested in seeing Cleo's winning pitch, there will be a link in the description for you to click and watch at your own convenience. If you'd like to hear the 2022 Purpose Pitch finalists, save the date for May 19th. More info will be on the website at cec.depaul.edu. This is the CEC Tuning Out. Here, we do good and do well.